Welcome back to the Charlotte Angel Connection, the Charlotte area podcast linking entrepreneurs, investors, and the broader Charlotte community. As you know, our goal here is to interview the individuals who are building, shaping, and influencing the entre- or entrepreneurship in the Charlotte region so you can stay invested in Charlotte's growth. Today, we welcome back Curtis Watkins, who's the CEO of Bova Metrics, to the show. As we learned last week, Bova Metrics is a young fintech company based here in Charlotte, designing a, a proprietary platform to help wealth managers assist and manage client portfolios. So neat technology. Last week, we spoke a lot about how Curtis got to where he is and some of Curtis's insights that he's learned over the course of the last 10 or 15 years, both being an entrepreneur and working in, the, um, in a larger organization like Duke Energy. Great discussion. Really enjoyed it. This week, we continue some of those same conversations. We talk a little bit about what's different between starting a company in 2001 and 2018. Uh, We talk some about how does he begin to execute strategy now that they've raised their pre-seed round, which they closed late last year and early this year. We talked about how he handles conversations with potential investors and their recommendations about what way they should should take their business. and we talk a little bit about what support network might exist here in Charlotte and a host of other conversations. A really fun conversation. I uh, hope you enjoy the, the podcast today. It is, it is worth mentioning just a quick time out. Uh, we have a, an event coming up here on April 17th, which, um, which potential investors are more than welcome to attend. We'll have, um, Chris Langford from Lowe's Venture Capital is coming to talk to us about the significance and importance of team, how important the team is to the success of a startup. So really good conversation. Chris is, you know, we'll bring four plus years of, of running Lowe's, Lowe's Ventures, Lowe's Venture Capital to, to the conversation and, and countless conversations with other venture capitalists from across the, uh, across the country and really across the world. So really exciting opportunity to be hosted at Innovate Charlotte's building downtown, which is 222 or 223 Brevard Street. And again, for those of you that are listening today, you are more than welcome to come to that. It's at six o'clock. Um, if you need to, you feel free to shoot me an email at uh, William at S is and Sam B is and boy RIA.com for any additional details that you might want. But anyways, again, hope you listen to or hope you enjoy today's podcast with Curtis. And hopefully we'll see a few of you in a couple of weeks and um We'll have you back listening to the show here next week as well. So thanks so much. All right. Well, welcome back to the show, Curtis. Thanks for sticking around for uh, for session number two. Glad to be here again. So we were talking last time. We wrapped up our conversation last time just talking about the difference between 2001 with the startup, 2001 to 2007. That whole time period was pretty much different um, than where it is today here in 2018. And one of it was nimbleness um, as far as what was available back then versus the plethora of what you can um, latch into today on a, on a quick-term basis. One of the other things that's different about 2018 and 2001 is money 
theoretically flows a little bit easier in 2018 than it did in 2001. Um, as a startup, what's it like to raise money today? Um, and then um, more specifically, what is it like to raise money with the Charlotte you know, area code, zip yeah. code? Yeah, I, um, you know, today I think because this idea of being a startup, this idea of, you know, building value in a company, you know, you're not just throwing out an app on a phone. I mean, there are a lot of ways you can be a startup uh, today. I think because it's more accepted, if you will, um, you're finding more and more groups really looking to get behind that. I mean, I, you're seeing the creation of uh, corporate-backed venture funds um, in places like Atlanta, Georgia, um, you know, in areas that want to serve the Southeast, and they're looking for talent, and they're looking for opportunity, um, and they're looking for places to deploy their funds. And I think, you know, it used to be back in the early 2000s, and, you know, to some extent you still hear it today, oh, you got to be in Silicon Valley. That's where you have to be. You have to be in the Bay Area. You have to do these things. And, you know, it certainly is helpful to have that kind of um, you know, long history of startup uh, culture and investing and that sort of thing uh, Absolutely. In, in place. But that being said, um, you know, there are other advantages to being here um, when you're talking about building a company, cost of living. You know, you can actually afford to raise a family here, yeah. which is pretty nice. And, um, you know, those are you know, some of the things like that that we can build off uh, as a region in, in order to, you know, attract more companies. So the idea is... And, you know, you probably had some discussion with this um, in your in your podcast with John Espy level. You know, the idea is you got to build the companies and the, and, and the technology and the entrepreneurs, um, and the funding starts to come around that. Um, and you'll see more funding coming from different areas. Um, you know, in Charlotte itself, as far as what, what the funding level is here, I think as long as you're an entrepreneur and you have a realistic expectation on what you can do in terms of fundraising here, there are some great groups. Um, that'll get you through the first few million um, that your company needs to raise. Um, you know, probably in combination of a few different groups here, and maybe even one or two from the outside, uh, from outside the region. But you know, Charlotte's also not an area where you're going to find a firm that's likely to drop you know fifty million dollars into your company. So to get to that point, you're probably going to have to go outside the area. But as long as you have realistic expectations about it, I think you can find yourself um, in good conversations here in the area. And there are there are a lot of interested folks who are saying. Hey, you know, we need to be more supportive of the entrepreneurs that we have here, our hometown guys. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm hopeful that as more of those success stories start to continue to happen, um, as you hear, you know, more of the the waggles and the other groups out there that are here and raising money in, in, in our, our hometown groups, um, you know, hopefully that will translate into more and more opportunity for people to feel confident in their ability to to build and raise uh, money here, mm-hmm. and to build a company here. And so I think it's there. Um, you know, the hard part is a lot of times it's really, you know, fundraising is hard in general. I don't care where you are. Um, it takes a lot of conversations. It's a lot like dating. You're going to have a lot of, you know, hits or a lot of misses before you get the hits. Um, and you're going to have to build a lot of, you know, conversations and uh, holding, hand-holding and, and, and other aspects of it that, you know, it's, it's not just an overnight thing. Um, but it's here. It's hard, but it's here. What, um... What show, so company was founded in 2013. Founder, I would assume, funded it for a little while as he was tinkering around with the concept. You mentioned earlier that you've done um, a little bit of a pre-seed stage um, to date. What does your fundraising path look like, and and how do you execute that over the course of the next 18 or 24 months? Yeah. 
So at this stage of the company, fundraising is is just an ongoing effort, right? So even though we just finished our you know pre-seed round, and that money has just come in the door, um, that money is a bridge. It's an opportunity to you know complete some key activities that, in my ongoing discussions with the next round of group, uh, funders. I can say, you know, we have this money and we've used it specifically for this purpose, and that purpose is product and customer. Yeah. And to me, um, anytime you're talking about this next level of funding where we're looking at anywhere between $750,000 and $1 million in funding, um, we have to have some traction. And this little bit of seed money is going to let us do that, get some traction. Um, so that we're more attractive in our future conversations. And hopefully we solve some of the other um, issues or problems or other things that may come up in those discussions um, by using this time, this bridge, this six to eight month window that we have in order to you know, really execute on the next key activities for us as an organization. Um, but that would all dovetail right into those next discussions of, okay, this is what we need really to, to get to the next level as, a, as an organization. We need a long enough runway so I don't have to be thinking about fundraising all the time. Yep. Um, we need to use it strategically, and it needs to fit into um, a, a proven strategy where we have traction and the ability to show that we can have growth. Um, so all those things really tie together. So you're talking to investors that might invest in the next round, seven fifty to a million, maybe a little bit more than that. Everybody's got an idea. Everybody has a preconceived notion of where you might fit and how you might execute better. And so here's a person with potential money to invest in your next round telling you, hey, you might want to try X. Um, and part of you says, well, maybe I should try X because he's dangling the, you know, the carrot in front of me. How do you balance that? Because you, you've got a concept. Uh, you've talked to different people. You're out there talking to potential users on an everyday basis. Even if his idea is a crazy idea, should you at least test it so you can grab the money down the road? Or how do you how do you how do you balance that? I'll go back to something that I, I like to reiterate very often: is that focus is important and then it's key. And um, it's easy to get distracted, especially if somebody has that pen in hand and the checkbook in the other, and is saying, you know, if we really want to do something together, you ought to be thinking about doing this. I'm focused, and I want investors. Um, that aren't just there to write a check um, and are there to strategically support us and not get us off track. And uh, this is not to say that I believe that, you know, there aren't opportunities to think about a pivot or an opportunity to think about an additional strategy because I am thinking about other platforms and distribution and things of that nature. But uh, the strategy that, you know, I've chosen as, uh, as our first deployment, our ability to get out to the market and get customers is important to us. And the money that we have now is is used for that purpose. And anything that we should do after that is to build upon that will, will be a successful first implementation and rollout and continue to build upon that. And anything outside of that, you know, hey, look, I'm happy to have product development discussions and we go talk to a product person and, you know, see where that may potentially look. But as long as you're not getting me off the focus of getting customers and getting revenue um, and bringing back the most value into the organization so that all the shareholders and everybody who's watching what we do can say, yeah, these guys are focused and doing what they're supposed to be doing. As long as we're not getting away from that, conversations are fine. Okay. So uh, Charlotte's raised a flag here over the course, probably over the last six months, and um, maybe it's a year, maybe it's two years, but it's more pronounced recently um, as a fintech-based city. 
it fits well because we've got Bank of America, Wells Fargo, BB&T, Ally Financial, and I apologize to all the other banks out there that are in the space that, that fit there. How much does that, you being a fintech type company, does that help? It certainly doesn't hurt. Can you leverage any of the expertise that's starting to circle around the space as a result of that? Or are you further enough ahead where it will only give you a tailwind, it won't give you a big boost? Um, you know, that's an interesting question. I, I think, like you said, it, it doesn't hurt. Yep. It, it definitely is helpful. I mean, even in conversations outside of Charlotte, to be able to say I'm in a city that, you know, has embraced the idea of being a fintech city. Um, as one of the largest banking cities in the nation, it, it only seems natural, right? Um, but, you know, there, I think a lot of this stuff is still sort of an early stage footing for the fintech organizations that are figuring out, you know, how are they best how can they best deploy what they have in terms of intellectual capital or anything else to be able to help fintech organizations? And they're, they're still kind of getting their footing in all of that. And, you know, there are different levels of entrepreneurs in terms of their experience and their ability to build a company and what they're doing, um, you know, that need different kinds of support. And so, you know, for me and us as an organization where we have, you know, some experienced entrepreneurs, we have, you know, guys who've spent decades in the financial services industry and selling software in that industry and so on and so forth. Um, not to think that we know at all, that's not certainly not what I mean, but our, our needs are a little bit different than say maybe somebody who's building their very first company mm-hmm. and hasn't gone through the process of trying to get talent on board and you know, how do you make sure that you've got a, a culture that fits with what your organization wants to be and so on and so forth. So, you know, I think as we continue to evolve as a city in that regard, and we get again a few more successes of, of, of fintech companies under our belts. Um, and some of those folks, uh, after they have had success, are coming back into the ecosystem of entrepreneurs here and are able to get back um, and get involved and get engaged as you have more and more of those happening. I think that will really evolve uh, our ability to support those entrepreneurs. Today, it's still just early, early stage. Um, and so, you know, as they figure those programs out and how they best fit, uh, you know, there'll be some trial and error along the way. For us as an organization, I mean, just having people that I know in those spaces and friends of mine that are leading some of these efforts, uh, being able to reach out to them and you know, throw things off of them and ask them questions and say, hey, do you know somebody over here that can help me? Uh, that's tremendously valuable uh, for us as an organization right now. Um, and that's mostly where we find our opportunity to, to get help out of those groups. How is the support network for founders in Charlotte? Um, limited, probably, I would say. Um, so many of, I, I think about it and I'm like, you know, the groups that I'm involved in or, or the places I go for like a, a founder event or a CEO event or whatever it is, um, mostly it's because I already know those guys and we're buddies or something. Uh, well, we've done something in the past and, um, you know, they say, hey, Curtis, I got this thing going on. You want to come check it out? Um, that's okay. But, you know, it's really tough for me to say because having spent my career here uh, and, you know, a little bit of time in Atlanta while I was at the uh, energy startup. I don't really know what other groups or cities are doing around this whole idea of, you know, CEO, founder support. Yeah. And uh, it'd be interesting to sort of benchmark that against some other areas and what they do. Um, but, you know, because we're a small community, uh, we're able to have a lot of frank and, and easily, uh, sort of easily uh, introduced conversations with other people in the space or other people that are CEOs and founders. And I think that helps. Um, but I don't know that there's, you know, you hear about some of these other groups that maybe want to help coach or mentor CEOs, and they're sort of the standard names that have been around a long time. 
Um, but I don't know of any that are really focused on this idea of high-tech CEOs and that sort of thing. So it would be interesting to see more of that, I think. So, you know, uh, rumor has it we're not a startup city. You know, Amazon would tell us that we don't have enough technical talent. And here you are with a, you know, a startup here in Charlotte that's eventually going to need some technical talent. Is that a concern for you or do you feel like there's plenty, plenty of talent that sits around Charlotte or could be recruited to Charlotte? We can always do better, for sure. Yeah, uh, I, I think, you know, we we really need to find a way to, and I've seen some of this coming out of, you know, the chamber and some folks over there that have for a long time been advocating and working on this idea of being a more entrepreneurial, small business-focused city. The idea that, yeah, you have to have pillars like the Bank of Americas and the Duke Energies of the world, uh, but you need to have something that is really attractive to the idea of, you know, founders, technical talent, that sort of thing bringing a company here versus just just your homegrown talent, you know, because we love the city. This is my hometown. I was born in Presbyterian Hospital. Uh, I love it here. I love the Panthers, all that good stuff. Um, so I like being here. But, you know, that's not enough, right? Yeah. You're only going to have so many of those folks in town. And so, you know, we have to attract companies to want to come here. So I think, you know, we've talked about this idea of it's a great place to raise a family. It's affordable. You're close to the mountains. You're close to the beach, you know. And technical talent has to be wrapped into it. This yeah. idea that you can find people who can achieve what you needed to achieve. I think a few more successes of the large variety, you know, more avid exchanges of the world where you have a, a large building and an organization and lots of tech talent around that and the ability to pay very competitive wages and you know, all these other things that you want to build into a package, that probably will help. Yeah. Um, I, I think for us, I do have a concern that, you know, for a while there, I was having conversations about finding a full-stack developer to come in and help us with some of our stuff, and it was like, I didn't even know where to find it. Yeah. You know, I didn't know where to find that talent, and, uh, you know, maybe that's just me having not been plugged into the part of the community that can help me do that. Uh, maybe it's because we don't have enough talent here, and those guys that have that skill set are already snapped up and are pretty happy where they are. Yeah. Um, but we have to have more, and, you know, you can probably do a combination of university training and working with some groups to you know start to churn out talent locally that sort of thing um, you know I'm not really sure what the answer is but I do think about it and you know for me what we're going to do is we're going to foster as an organization our desire to be a, a great place to work the idea that you know I, I'm not going to drive you to the ground I'm not um, this guy that expects people to put 22 hours a day in six days a week and maybe take a few hours off on Sunday kind of thing like you know I want work-life balance and I want you to be in a place where you are enjoying your family and your ability to live and raise a family here and go out and enjoy the amenities of the city. And so this combination of, of, of everything, it's what you do in your job, it's what you do in your community, your ability to get involved in organizations, your ability to enjoy where you live. To me, that's the package I want to sell as a company and as a city. And I think the more we're able to do that, the better off we are in attracting talent. Did you stick a flower on a telephone pole for a full stack developer? <laughs> I did not. No. Should I have? I don't know. I'm just curious. I mean, um, how do you find talent in Charlotte? So, you know, I did a couple of different things. I reached out to networks. Yeah. Um, I had people, I had some of the investors in our company um, reach out to their networks and mm. reintroduce me to people that some of the people I actually already knew. Um, I actually posted on, so our office space is going to be over at WeWork. We're, we're moving in there in the beginning of April. Okay, cool. Yeah. And I posted to the WeWork community uh, posting board. And I said, I'm looking for somebody in Charlotte. Um, and I got a couple of guys who said, well, we're not in Charlotte, but if you're looking for somebody who can do your, your stuff for you remotely, we can do that for you. So, I mean, you know, the ability to find 
the, the actual technical ability is out there, but I'm probably outsourcing it to somebody in you know a completely different state. Um, I'd love to have more of that here locally, and I'd love to be able to use maybe that's one of the groups in town that I just haven't figured out how to use yet, and um, maybe we can do more collaborations to, to see how we can get them to, to, to connect these conversations. So you hire or start working with the developer in, we'll call it Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Um, you've done some contract work there. You're on my podcast. I believe Star Charlotte did a newsletter piece on uh, Boba Metrics as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you've talked to different investors, some of which have said yes, some of which I'm sure have said no. Mm-hmm. You've probably done some industry you know, um, studies and stuff like that. In essence, you've told your story a lot. How, I mean, gosh knows, why didn't somebody just come steal the concept, right? Mm-hmm. Aren't you worried about that? Um, you know, I'm not really worried about it, yeah. so to speak. Um, it took a very rare combination of skills um, to put together our algorithm. And it was this combination of somebody who could write code, who understands the market, who understands statistics, who understands investing. Um, and had a very clear uh, direction on how he was going to take all that research that he did and all the analysis he did. And, not, and, and let me add, not just researching what Markowitz did, but actually speaking to Markowitz. Uh, and, you know, all the things that he was able to do to take that and combine that together into this algorithm, the, the core of our technology, not easily uh, replicable. And on top of that, you know, we get into conversations about our IP and how we protect it and that sort of thing. Uh, I'm not really one that's pretty keen, and, and maybe somebody will change my mind on this, um, you know, make a meme out of it, me sitting there at a coffee table saying, change my mind about filing for, you know, uh, a patent on software. I'm not big on the idea of filing for a patent on software. I think you open up too much information about what you're doing and, you know, maybe put yourself at a little bit of risk for a lower uh, potential to actually get a patent on the software that you're developing. I think it's, I think it's too risky. What we do though is we create an architecture that protects the core of what we're doing. You can do all your wrappers and hookins and APIs and all the other things that you need to do um, to connect with your customers. But the core of what we do, the brains of what we have, the algorithm itself will always be ours. It'll be behind our system. It'll be protected and nobody will have that. So, no, I, I, we can talk about it all day long and I can give general concepts and I can talk to you about statistics and trade groups and all these other things that we do, but it's not easily done. Yep. So, uh, if it was, then I guess a lot of people Fair enough. So you you've got some you've got some early stage testers coming on board. You've got a little bit of seed capital. Is that is that the focus for the next six months? Is further proving out with your kind of alpha beta testers, and then really grinding your investors to the not grinding them, but pulling them along, educating them, having conversation with them. Is that the next six months? It's all about first test uh, first customers, and all about first fundraise. Are there other challenges that are out there on the horizon that you've got to start poking around on a little bit? Or Those are definitely the, the core objectives. You know, as with any organization, you know, simple things from like, you know, you have to have a place to work together because you can't always work remote out of your homes um, and, and find a parking space in uptown, right? But, um, you know, talent <laughs> development, right? You want to bring on the right people. Um, and so I have a resource constraint with the amount of money that I have to be able to divvy out at this point. And so... You know, I have to balance this idea of I want to be able to bring somebody on and offer them a little bit of cash now and maybe a part-time role within the organization and say, here's your equity compensation that you get as part of this package. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing that sort of talent uh, cultivation. 
because uh, I need somebody to lead, you know, three very distinct areas for me, and um, that includes the product development, which is what our farmer is going to be doing, uh, and making sure the algorithm and all that other stuff is uh, good and is what it needs to be and is deployable and scalable and all that good stuff. I need a salesperson um, who's going to develop our strategy, not just to start with our TD Ameritrade platform, but, but also goes beyond that. But also is you know sort of dependent upon what we do with our integration and making sure we actually get that piece right. Yeah. Um, and then I need a technology person that it goes beyond algorithms and statistics and investing and also understands everything about you know how do we actually write code to go to those APIs? How do we automate some of the processes that we're doing manually today? How do you drop that all into a server and do all these exchanging of files and so on and so forth? And so that person ultimately will be the uh, writing the first version of that code to be able to do that, but ultimately they will lead the strategy for that and hire developers as we grow and have more resources to put some some muscle behind it. So, um, you know, cultivation of the talent, the team, the people you have around you. Look, everybody knows, you know, your product is only as good as the team that's out there making sure that everything is being done right. And people invest not only in the idea or the concept, but they invest in the team that's sitting behind it. And I want to have the best of the best sitting there and saying, these are people that I, I'm confident in, these are people that I trust, um, and these are people with really good skills that, um, you know, may, although I may only have them for part-time now because I have a limited amount of money, you do this next round of investment, you better believe I'm bringing them on full-time, and this will be the only thing that they're going to focus on. You know, yeah. Make sure they're the best at it. So um, there's, there are other aspects like that that we focus on to focus on, too. So, no, that's cool. I mean, teams, uh, you're right. I mean, team is such a big component of it, right? You can have the best idea in the world, but if your team stinks, it's not going anywhere. That's it. You know, you're talking about finding a full-stack developer, and it's not as easy in Charlotte as maybe it is in New York or San Francisco. But And you don't have to disclose who it is, but how do you find an attorney that works with startups in Charlotte? How do you find a CPA that you're comfortable with? How do you find um, a, a marketing-type person that you're comfortable Where do you, I mean, you know, how do you pull together those pieces? Yeah. You know, I would say that. Surprisingly, the area where I've never had any trouble, <laughs> and, and they're a necessity, but lawyers for one, yeah. uh, I've never had any trouble finding a lawyer. Um, even the ones that are experienced understand the early stages of a company and can walk you through your entire growth as an organization. Uh, because that's important. There are plenty of lawyers who are you know, typical corporate attorneys uh, who don't do this for a living and will want to give you very long contracts and charge you really high hourly rates, regardless of the size of your organization or how much funding you have. Um, those are the, guys, the kind of guys you want to avoid, right? You want guys who understand the struggles of an early stage company, who understand you know, the way you set your organization up today can have profound impacts down the line. And you want them thinking way beyond just what this next contract looks like. Um, and there are guys that do that. And, and for me, um, finding those folks has been easy because I've been engaged in the entrepreneurial community. I go to a lot of the um, you know, startup events. Um, you go to, gosh, the lawyer that we have today. Um, I met him at an event that was being held at UNCC when they opened their downtown campus for entrepreneurs. And um, I got to know him through that process. And, you know, these guys are engaged and they're involved because they're out there. They're, they're doing customer development, right? They're, yep. they're prospecting. Mm-hmm. And by being front and center and saying, hey, I'm a lawyer or I'm a tax person. That this is what I do. Um, tax people I've met through um, going to places like Packard, you know, and coming here and, and getting to know the community and going to those events. They serve beer. It's great, right? You know, and you get to network and meet all these folks. You have to network. Yeah. 
And that's the one area where, you know, between lawyers and accountants and professional services, I think their job is to network and go out and meet these folks. And so they're coming to those events. And so that's the kind of resource that you need. You come to those events, you're bound to meet them. Yeah. yeah. Technical resources are a little bit different. They're a little less, uh, you know, getting out there and you know, putting themselves in a position of saying, hey, you know, I'm such and such developer. Why don't you think about hiring me? Or, you know, I want to support your They don't necessarily do that. And they don't really need to, I guess. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're a different group of folks that you're going after. So, cool. I don't know. It's been a lot of fun. I mean, I've, you know, obviously we sat down for coffee <clears throat> a couple weeks ago and just kind of shot the breeze a little bit about what today might look like. But um, have enjoyed the conversation. I mean, obviously you're um, you're marching along uh, in a neat space. I think a space. You know, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, and I didn't even ask you today. Augmented reality versus artificial intelligence, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you know, uh, Apple supports that a lot as far as helping make humans more intelligent, which is the direction that y'all are going right now. Mm-hmm. So you're going in an augmented reality space, you're doing it in FinTech, you're doing it in Charlotte. Um, I think you've got some nice tailwinds to it. Certainly, you know, hold for you here over the course of the next four to six months as you continue to go through product testing and capital raise. Uh, but thanks for, in the midst of all that, sitting aside uh, uh, an hour, hour and a half just to shoot the breeze with me today. William, I really appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on. Yep. All right. Thanks, man. Have a good rest of your day. All right. You too. Again, hopefully you enjoyed listening to the podcast today with Curtis. Good insight from... Um, from an entrepreneur, a successful entrepreneur who's dipping his toe back in the water as CEO of Boba Metrics. So great space. Again, I, I think the the augmented reality piece of it, or I guess the computer helping the, the, the person is is a space that will grow a lot over the course of the next five or ten years. Um, obviously, it's also a fintech company, and, and Charlotte's branding itself as a fintech hub, and I think successfully branding itself as a fintech hub. So I think Curtis is in a nice niche and has the opportunity ahead of him to go, grow a really nice company and business. So stay tuned and continue to follow Bova Metrics over the course of the next couple quarters and years. Next week, we've got TJ Eberly. TJ is a investor here in town. Um, he's you know, a successful entrepreneur, sold his business in 2011, and has been investing in young startups ever since. So really great concept or um, discussion with him talking about all things startup or all things investor-based and exploration of how he does it, why he does it, what are some of the things that surprises them about the community and, and on and on. So fun conversation. I hope you'll stay tuned next week. Also, don't forget April 17th at 223 Brevard Street downtown. We'll have Chris Langford from Lowe's Venture Capital. They're talking about the significance and the importance of the team. You're more than welcome as a listener to this show to come out to that event. If you have any questions or want specifics, uh, please feel free to email me at William at S is in Sam, B is in boy, RIA.com. And we'll certainly get you over some additional details, but that will kick off at six o'clock on um, Tuesday, April 17th. So uh, put your taxes in the mail or put your extension in the mail and come out and listen to Chris. And, um, and again, stay tuned next week for what I think is a great interview with TJ, but thanks so much for being a listener on the Charlotte angel connection.
William Bissett is an investment advisor representative with Seacrest Blakey & Associates, a registered investment advisor. Opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of Seacrest Blakey & Associates. The topics discussed and opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listener. Seacrest Blakey & Associates does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstance. Investments described herein may be speculative and may involve a substantial risk of loss. Interests may be offered only to persons who qualify as accredited investors under the Securities Act and a qualified purchaser as defined in Section 2A, Paragraph 51, Line A, under the Company Act or an eligible employee of the management company. There generally is no public market for the interests. Prospective investors should particularly note that many factors affect performance, including changes in market conditions and interest rates, and other economic, political, or financial developments. Past performance is not and should not be construed as indicative of future results.